It's April 20th, 2021, and you're listening to the Architecture Geeks Podcast. I'm Larry. And I'm Matthew. And we're your friendly neighborhood architects, being geeky as we want to be. And we're back, everybody. Thanks for hanging out with us again today. I know it's been a couple of weeks, but like we mentioned, we are adjusting our schedule as Matthew has settled into a new job and figuring things out, which is one of the reasons we're recording this at 7.30 in the morning. <laughs> I, I think a new experience for us, but but we seem to be managing okay. Yeah, geez. I just hope the kids don't wake up. <laughs> well, that's that's one of those things I think we just have to sort of sort of adjust to and figure out. But but anyway, so so yeah, so we're gonna just jump right into the podcast if that's okay with you guys. I'm sure I'm sure you enjoy listening to us just ramble on endlessly, but but given the time of morning and the the danger of two small two and a half year old twins coming in, um, I think we're just gonna jump right into it. That's nightmare inducing stuff right there. Seven thirty, they both start ringing on the door. Oh no! Anyway, <laughs> today's episode is our second in the getting a job series in architecture. And if you're hearing the series for the first time, I would recommend going back to the beginning with our first entry titled On the Prowl, where we discussed overlooked ways to get a job in architecture. As a follow-up podcast, today we're sharing our internship tips, survival guide, uh, might be a, a, a a slightly inaccurate term of describing what we're going through, but internships are rough. So we thought we'd share, have, we, we thought we'd have our first shot at helping everyone through it. But before we get started on that, we would like to preface this episode with a minor thought on the use of the words intern and internship. Yeah, the American Institute of Architects came out in, at the end of 2016 with this suggested I, I guess it's their statement or policy I, I don't know what the, I'm trying to think of the right word for the for the announcement basically they they made this announcement about the use of the word intern and internships and, and some of this started back in, in 2014 the beginning of 2014 I was part of this conference for emerging professionals and essentially the the AIA got huge group of emerging professionals and what they mean by emerging professionals are, People who are licensed architects would have been licensed less than 10 years. Has nothing to do with where you are out of school, how old you are. It's just really, you know, the people who've only been licensed for for less than 10 years. So anyway, so this big conference and one of the breakout sessions was all around this idea of changing the term intern to something else because there was this notion that using intern or internship was somehow demeaning to the people fresh out of school, like somehow it, it, it... made them less important within the industry. And and they were looking for a word to use outside of that. And, and what they came up with, of course, were two terms that I don't know that anyone's really grasped, gra- grabbed a hold of yet because they came up with architectural associate or design professional. And associate is usually a term that is associated with people who are moving up like into principal level, like you're an associate principal. So that sort of has its own connotation. So how do we say architectural associate without them sounding like they may be more higher up than they really are? 
The other idea is design professional, because at that point, you're three years out of school or less. You're not really a professional. You're still learning. You're learning how to to do this job. So it's just one of those weird things. And and they can't obviously force firms to adopt these this nomenclature. There, there's no way for them to do it. But it was just a suggestion that we start doing that so that people who were interns maybe didn't feel sort of I guess left out. But but for the for the purpose of this podcast though guys, we're going to stick with the terms intern and internships because really we are talking about those first few years out of school. And that's really when you are learning, when you are really in what we think of as sort of that intern phase. So no offense to anyone, that's just what we're going to use. So so brace yourselves and just keep listening because we think we have some really really sound advice in here. And and we're also going to have some input from some outside sources, some friends of Matthew's who he's been able to talk to to get sort of their experience in this whole process. So back to our originally scheduled program. So back to that, our our guide will break down the trajectory of a, tri- typ- a, a typical internship into its phases. Phase one is the honeymoon phase right after graduation. And in, in the first few weeks of starting a new job uh phase two is the empire strikes back we'll share some strategies on how to survive your first internship or end job after that honeymoon bubble pops and then phase three what to take away from your first job as you grow out of it and and we'll start off with phase one phase one is when you're fresh out of school and about to start your first job it's a magical time, really. <laughs> Maybe a little scary. Not 100%, 100% sure what they're going to expect from you. But hey, the world's your oyster and you're free to make of it what you will. And if you did a little homework and you were prepared for your interview, you probably asked the right questions to get some clarity on exactly what you'd be doing on that first year. And if not, you better beware. <laughs> <laughs> and it's so true. I mean, it's it's. I th- I think we we probably we probably go into that first job interview not really knowing what to ask and or what to listen for. So I I know that there is that experience of finding yourself doing things you weren't weren't expecting to. I was talking with with one college student who it wasn't his actual postgraduate internship. It was actually his summer internship. I think one of his first ones. And they had asked him a lot of questions about. Well, how well do you know Revit? You know, what's your experience with it? Do you know blah blah blah? And of course, they're teaching in school, so he had a pretty good knowledge. And what he didn't understand was they were asking him about about his Revit experience because they needed somebody to train the entire staff because they were switching over to Revit and nobody knew it. So he spent his summer instead of really learning anything about architecture, he spent his summer teaching the entire staff how to actually use Revit. So. When you're getting ready to go out there and start your first job, be sure you have those questions in mind as you're you're sitting down for your first interview because because you can get a little more than you bargain for, I guess would be the way to put it. So yeah, the it's funny when when I was graduating and starting a job, there's all these stories about going to work. And find yourself sort of pigeonholed for the first six months or so of your job where you're doing nothing but bathrooms and you're doing stair layouts. And and so part of me wonders is the whole idea about the Revit software and the rendering that that you're you're taught in school now. Is rendering becoming that <laughs> new equivalent of 
of the stair details and the bathroom details. This is your first job in architecture, so so you need to be sure to ask those questions. But but if you've been lucky enough to have a summer internship or maybe been part of a, what's called a co-op program, then working in the office isn't really anything that's going to be new to you. And for a lot of you, it may just mean coming back to the places where you've worked before, one of the places where you've worked before during your summer internship to actually start your career there. So you kind of know what to expect, but at the same time, you know, you're coming in with this experience to build off of too. So, so your responsibilities may be a bit different from someone who's truly a newbie. I know when I started my first job, I had zero experience. I mean, I went straight out of school. I had a weekend between school and job, thrilled to finish my degree, just ready to start working, but I had no idea what I would be doing when I started. And I just sort of hit the ground running on that day one. So hopefully when you're starting your internship, when you're starting your first job, you have some idea of really what's going to happen and and you won't go into it nearly as blind as I did. Yeah, and I think my friend Phil had a, a similar sentiment uh, when as he was fresh out of school. I'll be up front with everybody out there that is just graduated um, looking for that, that first job in architecture. Um, you know, I mean, it can be, you know, well, let me just say it's, it's a, a good point to be at. Um, it's a sign of relief. A hundred percent. I was pumped. I was ready to hit the ground running. I was, I was young and, and, you know, not married, just, you know, single bachelor pad. I could work the long, crazy nights and weekends hours, you know, but not to say that that should be your level of expectation. And 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 it, but it, but it really shouldn't be your expectation to, to to work nights and the weekends, even even though it, it it may happen. But while we're not fresh out of school anymore, I can still remember that that initial feeling of uh, of hope and optimism as I walked into my up to my first job after graduation. I, I felt pretty good about having just gone through six years of hard work to get to that point and. Uh, I, I I had ideas about what I felt I could contribute through my ability to design my creativity. It was, you know, I, I didn't know what to expect, partly because I'd been in school for so long, especially in the middle of the, the Great Recession. So I was still pretty fresh on everything. <laughs> but I also felt like it was a, a new beginning because I I had spent months without getting anything as far as any callbacks that there were just, there were a ton of interviews. There were a ton of rejections. So I, I felt like when I was about to start my first job, that, that things were definitely looking up at this particular moment in time. And I'd like to think of it now as a youthful optimism, but who knows? But <laughs> at this point, my friend, I, I think my friend Jack had, had similar thoughts about uh, what he could contribute to his first job. Uh, one thing I never did in grad school was hold down a, uh, a proper job with an architect's office. I did that back when I was uh, younger, but there was kind of a gap. I was uh, I was a TA. Um, so I felt like that put me at a tiny bit of a disadvantage. But what I thought I could offer was, uh, I guess, some aptitude in design, um, my good sense of taste, you know, or, you know, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully it's good taste. And I had this fresh passion for technology. There was all this visualization that was going on. I was very involved with, well, I was involved with um, with our emerging uh, rapid prototyping program, which uh, took off at Kappa, uh, very much so. And, um, you know, my ability to communicate, a lot of moxie. I don't know, I was hoping I could be, uh, I could be charming enough to be useful to them. 
Okay, I I really have to to I won't say laugh at that. I really have to appreciate that because I I think you do sort of come out with that that notion that uh, and and maybe maybe more so for other. I, I don't know that it was true for me because I was I, again you're thrilled to have a job. I think that was the exciting part. It's like oh my gosh, I have my first job, but I can certainly see that sort of you're you're coming out of it and you've just done all this this years of design work and studio work and stuff and you think okay I've got a good sense of design like like Jack said I've got a great sense of taste and I think I can really contribute to something so I, I think we all sort of come out with that with that fresh optimism and that doesn't always <laughs> I don't think that always translates really into what you actually end up doing on your on your first job and 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 to some extent, we all arrive with our own preconceptions of what we'll be able to what we'll be able to contribute. I I know for both Jack and me, we we had the same ideas. I also think we were just glad to have a job because of the economy we had graduated into, which was still pretty rough at the time. But that that didn't really stop us from really getting into our jobs and trying to make the most out of it. And I think everyone should. I, th- I think, you know, it's your, it's your first opportunity that you really should try to make the most of it. But, but this gets us into this idea of what we call the, we call this phase two, the empire strikes back phase, because you're, you are fresh into your job and it's sort of that honeymoon period, that, that honeymoon phase of the internship where, wow, this is, this is going to be interesting. It's going to be great. But, but the reality is, is that doesn't always last. Eventually, that, that newness wears off and you sort of get into the daily routine and get into this sort of day-to-day grind of what entry-level architecture work can be. And that's the point where sometimes your ideas and your initial ambitions get a bit, I won't say curb stomped, but that's, uh, that really, I guess, is a good way to put it. You're realizing that that I'm, I really know less than I think I do, <laughs> which is a little uh, uh, scary because you you I think you come out of school feeling like you're, you're so prepared and you, you've learned so much, and now you're you're just sort of sitting here going, uh, okay, I guess I don't, and so so you're just sort of working through the day to day stuff of things, and and I would tell people this is sort of that point in your career when when you're going to be learning and you're going to be learning a lot, so it's just sort of kind of you have to hunker down and pray for daylight because at some point you will get moving fast enough that suddenly, okay, I'm getting into the groove of things. Things are moving along. I'm, I'm starting to sort of see the light at the end of the tunnel that, that I'm actually going to progress in this. And I think, I think we all have that experience and, and Phil certainly, I know, you know, he, he had, everyone has their own take on what their first days were like. And so, so I know Phil certainly had his own. Started a firm out of school. It was they did exclusively senior living, senior housing. The firm, you know, been in business a long time. Uh, um, but I think the first thing I did was interior elevations. That, that's what I got assigned to. I think my very first day of work, um, a project manager kind of assigned that task to me. And uh, but yeah, that was the first thing. Just you know, drawing those mundane details, interior elevations, stair details, stair sections. Why they, you know, they think they're insignificant, but it's actually a lot, a really good lesson to learn how to properly document a set of construction documents. And and to some extent, I, I feel like he's he's right. Uh, mundane is an accurate word to describe the the level of work that most people start off doing. And and while interior 
while interior elevations, stair details, and, and door schedules are a far cry from from the high design that you that you were exposed to in school, they're the nuts and bolts of putting a set together, and they're really an important piece of of experience to have as you move forward in your job. And while the mundane environment of the entry level work may be hard on creative types, I think Jack had a <laughs> he had an interesting way of describing his coping mechanism to this phase of his first job. Well, my first job was with some really great people. Unfortunately, the pro- what we did, uh, calling it architecture, uh, would be um, I don't know. I had some problems with it artistically. Uh, they very much helped me, though. I mean, they uh, they helped to me with my study materials, but I knew when I became an architect, I wouldn't really necessarily have a place there. It was very focused on production. It was development of, uh, of uh, some suburban residential things, very high-end stuff. But you know, you go out of architecture school hoping to work on something unique, something new, or something, um, I don't know. Well, I think I owe them a lot in teaching me how to be professional, uh, punctuality, how to you know act in a meeting and everything. But I also feel like uh, it's that specific job. I had to take all my passions and all the things I really cared about, make a nice vase out of it, put it on the shelf above my desk, and then at lunch I would talk with all the other artsy people, and we you know that was kind of the extent of it. And then you know get back to CAD. And um, I thought, well, if I just want to you know draft things, then I could have gone to community college, taken a BIM or a CAD class, and you know for one one hundredth of the price and been qualified to do the exam. No, I'd be more qualified because I'd have more experience because I wouldn't have gone through so many years of school. And 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 that that that, that is kind of a, <laughs> a, a a a depressing way of of looking at it. If you could just go to community college and and get a CAD class out of the way and then do the same kind of type of work, but. The, the part that I really liked was that he put all of his creativity into a jar, put it above his desk, and then talked with his colleagues about interesting architecture at lunch, and then he got back to Pumpkin Cab. <laughs> and this goes back to that, that idea, too, of, of knowing what to ask in your interview. What will I be doing? Did he have any idea that that's really what his first job was going to be? Or did they sort of surprise him when he started and he didn't realize, oh my gosh, I'm just going to be sort of turning out CAD drawing after CAD drawing and not really not really being able to contribute in any way whatsoever. I, I think that's, that is, in some ways, it's unfortunate that that's sort of what he got stuck doing. But, uh, but, it's, but it's great that he found a way to sort of keep the design aspect of, of what he learned, you know, keeping that active and being able to have those discussions with other people so he wasn't just sort of ground down because there, there, is, there are some jobs where I think you can do that, where, where you just sort of get stuck into this, this machine mode. And so the, so the big question, you know, if, if that's what's going on with you, how do you survive what is essentially the day-to-day grind of entry-level work? Make sure to go to meetings, pay attention in meetings, take the opportunity. You know, if they need someone to do punch, do it. Get your hours, learn how to do it. If there's someone who's interested, who does something that you find interesting, one of the principals in the firm perhaps, uh, make it a point to talk with them. Don't just talk to them when they come up to you and it's like, did you finish this? Oh, not yet. Sorry. And that's the extent of it. You know, actually engage with them. Some of them won't have time for it. Some of them won't be interested, but most of them will. You're the future of the industry, you know, and uh, and they care about that or they should. Yeah, I, I, I like to think that, yeah, they, they should recognize that you are the future of the industry. But so so I guess it's in a lot of ways, it's good to keep that perspective in mind when you start that. Is this really what I signed up for? 
and who in the firm can teach me what I need to know? Who who can who can really help me grow within this industry or grow within this profession? So there's there's going to be that sort of period of okay, how do I survive this? How do I make this work for me? And instead of just you're slogging through the day, just trying to get the day to day work done, and you're getting all this on the job know how, and you can just hunker down and get through it. And and sometimes that may just be your best option, but but there will be things that are going to make it easier. Like Jack said, having a you know, talking with the people around you, talking with your boss and actually engaging them outside of just basic work questions. That can be real value at this stage in your development. They can help you put the type of work you're doing into perspective that you maybe not might not otherwise see. You're just looking at, oh, I'm just drawing, drawing these details, or I'm just drawing these interior elevations, but hopefully making you understand what it is you're actually learning in the process. They also might be able to give you some technical advice, things that you just didn't. There are things you're just definitely not going to get at school, so they're going to be able to teach you sort of the technical side of things. And sometimes if if all else fails, sometimes you just have someone good to sort of vent to (laughs) and perhaps commiserate with. And it may just be another employee, but but it may be able to talk with one of the the principals or one of the associate principals and say, hey, look, you know, this is what my experience has been. and, And how do I deal with it and how do I work with it? And and they can share some of their experience. So they can kind of help you help you work through that process. And whether it's, it's honestly, whether it's your first job or your second job, that's something that you can actually do to sort of get you past this idea of well, I'm just doing this sort of mundane over and over and over again kind of task. And another thing that I found useful, not only in my first job, but every new job that I've had, is is take advantage of your position as the new guy. You're expected to ask questions. As, as the new guy, you're not expected to know everyone and, and everything. And people expect you to be slightly off balance, at least for a little while. And you should use that expectation to, to learn as much as you can. And this is really the time when asking questions is also expected. So use that to your advantage. Ask as many stupid or, or newbie questions that, that you can think of because that's really the best time to do it. It will show everyone that you're actively participating in getting your getting to know your role in the company, and that'll help you in the long term. Amen to that, because I, I will tell you my first three months at my first job, my the architect I was working under was was she said I swear to God there was a trail running from your desk to my desk because you kept coming back and forth so many times asking so many questions and and she said it went on for about three months you were just this constant barrage of questions well but of course it was because I didn't know anything and and I I do think you're right I I think I think the people you're working for would expect you to ask questions. If you're not asking questions, I would be really concerned. So so do that. Talk with the architect or the the head of the studio that you've been assigned to. You can what can they offer you guidance-wise? What can they suggest to you to make things better, this experience better for you? Are, are they aware that you're interested in doing more work or or do they even care? Cuz sometimes they're just and I, I suspect I, I did not have this experience, but I suspect there are there are some probably some firms that just want you to come in there and grind the work out, and they're not really really interested in maybe your development. They just need somebody to come in and do CAD, or they need somebody to come in and do rendering. So sometimes you do just have to hunker down and get the experience that you can, so you can move on to something that's maybe more palatable or more interesting to you. And no one, no one would be surprised if you moved on after a year or two because. 
a lot of interns won't stay at a single firm for very long because you're they're trying things out. You're you're trying to figure out what really fits. What am I interested in doing? Is this the type of work I really want to do? Maybe spend a year or two and then think, okay, it's time to go somewhere else and and have a different experience. I uh, personally, not for me. I spent eight years at the first firm I worked for because I was getting a lot. It was a smaller firm, so I was getting a lot of exposure to a lot of different things. But at some point, everyone's going to want to move. And you may already have a sense of what type of project you're interested in, and that's great. And that will help you, give you some idea of where you fit into the process. But odds are you are going to move around a little bit those first few years, just trying to figure out where do I fit into the process? Where where, where am I landing within architecture? And, and don't be, don't feel bad for doing it because you need to get that experience. You need to get that exposure. And, and that's, that's just a, a great way to do it. Yeah. So phase three is, is what to take away from your first job after you've, after you have gained enough experience to move up or move on. On the other side of the entry-level slog, there will come to be a point where you will have had enough. <laughs> Hopefully by then, you will, you will have either had a conversation about expanding your role in the company with your boss, or you will have moved on to another job. Not everybody can spend eight years at the company and, and, and get as much out of it as, as you did. Larry. <laughs> the, the, the transition between intern and, and associate is, is a tricky one. And because many employers by this point will have labeled you as the intern. That's, that's kind of where I saw my first job that they may see that you're capable of more, but they're comfortable with you where you are and either have no plans to, to move you up in the company or just there, there won't be an opportunity uh, for you to, to offer you uh, to take that next step in your career. And, and on top of that, it, it takes some real negotiation and communication skills to navigate your way through a company hierarchy. When you start at the bottom, not, not to mention the fact that you actually have to want to stay <laughs> for those skills to come in handy. I, I started out doing assisted living facilities and was just happy to have a job when I first started out. It wasn't the work that I ultimately wanted to be doing my entire career, but I had to start somewhere. But at the end of the day, I, there was no room for me to move elsewhere within the company after I had outgrown that particular position. And, and I have, Larry, you're the rare someone who fits all that criteria and manages to stay at the, the first job, at their first job for, for eight, nine, ten years. I, I've met very few people who have actually managed to do that and, and even or even rise through the ranks at their first company. So when you are ready to move on, move up or move on, what should you take away from your first job? Um, I, I would probably say just learn as much as you can from every person you work with. I mean, they've got their own expertise uh, that they can bring to the table, their own ideas, and their own really their own experiences. Um, but the greatest piece of advice, too, is just in terms of, you know, if you are pursuing licensure, uh, I, I can speak from experience. Do, do it as soon as you can. Don't wait around. <laughs> Don't don't have kids. Don't get married. I mean, it just gets harder and harder as life goes on. It gets busier and busier. I'd say um, kind of be aware of your employer. Uh, there's a lot going on around here. I mean, uh, I think we're kind of focused on DFW, or is this for well, no matter who it's for. 
There's a great thing at AIA called the Young Professionals Committee. It's a great way to keep your circle expanded. If you fall in, like if when you're finished with school, you've got all this ambition and you've got all this energy and all these brain cells to spare. And while you have that, uh, then you should really try to get involved. If you just go to work and go home and go to work and go home, well, that's a squandering of your capabilities. Uh, if you've gotten this far, so keep your circle wide. Join, you know, get involved with things. AIA is bizarrely expensive this year. Still, there's all these committees you can get involved in. Oh, and here's one more thing. My favorite piece of advice of all. They'll always ask you, how much are you expecting to make? What What are you doing? Go to the AIA office. There's a binder there. You won't find it online. And there's just like, find your local area and look at your level of experience. And they always have like, oh, architect with 20 years experience. Yeah, go back to, you know, fresh new graduate with a master's or whatever you have. And there's a number. Just use that number. That's a sensible number. And if they ask you why, then say, because that's what we're supposed to make. Of course, you'll probably make a little less at first, or maybe they'll offer you more, but that's a benchmark you should be aware of. Well, that's interesting. I would never have thought, no, of course, and, and I, I wouldn't have known anything at the time, to, to go to the uh, AIA and look at what the compensation reports were telling you, because there is, there is they, they do a comp study every so often to see where the market is and see where salaries are. So that really is a smart thing to do because, and I think you can actually find it online now. I don't think you have to go to your AI office to look at it. You can actually do that online. Um, I know, I know I've looked several times. Of course it helps that James started his career in, in compensation. So he gets the whole payroll and experience and all that sort of stuff, all those sort of factors that play into it. So, yeah, but, but I think that the more, the more telling thing, I mean, that, that's a great idea, but the more telling thing that, that Jack brought up was this whole idea about even though it's your first job, it's your entry level job that you don't get lost in sort of that day to day that you reach out to other people that you, if you can be part of AIA, uh, I think you'd, you'd come in as an associate, but if you can be part of AIA, the local chapter, get involved in the young professionals group, get involved somewhere because that's going to help you build a network of people that have a like sense of, of, you know, of, of what you're doing and, and what you're enjoying doing. And then keep, you just sort of keep expanding that network. Oddly enough, as large as DFW is the architecture community and, and the architecture community in DFW is pretty large. It's incredible how small it can be there's a good chance that you're going to run into some of these people down the road. Some, some, sometime in the future, you're going to bump into these people again. And, and it wouldn't hurt to have that connection down the road for networking purposes, especially if you're looking for another job. If you're, if you're trying to find an opportunity somewhere, it's going to help if you've got this big circle of people that you know that you can reach out to and say, hey, I'm looking for something. Do you know anybody who's hiring? Because it's it's hard enough in the real world to make that happen when, when you have something like this going on right now, like the pandemic or the recession that went back on, back started back in 2008, 2009. It helps having that strong social network because that can pay a real dividend down the road in just helping you to advance your career. And and it's a, a an aspect that I think a lot of people overlook. So yeah, so Jack had a very smart about that. Get involved get to know people and make sure that you have built this network because that's going to help you help you in the long run. And, and if all else fails, there's something to be said for just learning the basics of being a professional at your first job. There's always going to be an adjustment between school and office settings, and you should be able to learn from everyone around you. 
just about the day-to-day running of an architecture office and getting used to the process. It's, it, it's valuable and applicable wherever you may go afterwards. And, and as Phil said, it is take your exams before having kids. I, I can speak from personal experience here on this one. Life is much less chaotic. I was planning on taking my last exam before the kids were born. Then they came early and I can still remember studying in the hospital while they slept. So it's, it's, it's a lot. Don't, don't study in the hospital while they sleep. <laughs> take your exams before you have kids. <laughs> Well, and, and I, I would to add to that too. I would I would add that take your exams as soon as you can. I mean, don't whether you're having kids or not. To be quite honest with you, I, I waited a long time to start my exams, and had it not been for switching firms and talking with another another architect, I would not have started taking my exams when I did. So, I should have been licensed probably I don't know three years, maybe four years before I actually was. And it's just, I, I didn't think about taking the exam. So yeah, yeah, be sure that you do that. Be sure that you, you sort of focus some energy on that and, and, and be sure to, to pay attention to what's happening around the office. And, and, and like Matthew said, the day-to-day stuff that, that you see running an architecture firm, because that, that, will, that will certainly carry forward, forward with you because you're going to watch how other people do things and sort of build your own experience around that as well. So so yeah, so 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 there we have it, guys. I mean, it's, I, we won't necessarily say this is a guide for surviving your internship, but just some some basic stuff there. Whether it's you know the the honeymoon phase when you're when you're so excited to have a job, or it's that sort of oh god, it's the Empire Strikes Back, and oh crap, am I really going to be doing this for for the rest of my life? And it just seems tedious, and it's never going to end. And then that final bit where you you finally realize, okay, I've I've got experience. And what do I take with me to either move up or move on? What what do I do to to make that happen? And so yeah, so so hopefully you guys got something very useful out of this. If not, we we will we'll apologize and uh, hope to do better next time. <laughs> so thank you all for sticking through us with uh, through uh, what's going to turn out to be maybe a little bit of a longer episode. But you can find. Larry at everything at Spotted Dog Architecture. <laughs> you can find us online at Arch Geeks Podcasts. And thank y'all for joining us. We'll see you next time. Thanks, guys. Bye. Bye.